0: Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, Houston Business Journal reporter Jeff Jeffrey sits down with Lou Cushman in honor of his HBJ Landmark Lifetime Achievement Award. Cushman addresses the struggling office market the impact of the pandemic on leasing, and his advice for young brokers starting out in the pressure cooker of commercial real estate. Now, when you look at,
1: you know, these days, Houston's office market in particular has a high vacancy rate. I mean, kind of what are your thoughts on that? And and what's it gonna take to, to get office, that vacancy rate down and to, and what are people looking for in an office, I guess?
2: Well, the vacancy rate in Houston is approximately 27%, which is the highest of any major city in the United States. The key to dropping vacancy is job growth. And that job growth needs to be officing, employees that office, Mm -hmm. not as when Houston was growing incredibly at figures over 100,000 a year. Uh, Many of those were hospitality, which is restaurant and hotel workers, and they don't occupy office space. So again, and we at Cushman Realty would have Cushman Realty University every year. And it was an amazing event and incredible sharing and getting to know your fellow employees and being able to trust them and like them. And the bigger the company, the more difficult that is. Mm -hmm. You can't get everybody together. You don't know people. There are people in very important positions at Cushman and Wakefield that I do not know and have never met. So you need job growth. And the only way that the economy and in particular the commercial real estate side of it will improve is with job growth because presently there is not the demand for space mm-hmm. and without demand and for that reason without the demand rents have really not going up at least asking rates they've held relatively firm obviously they're highly negotiable, but what has gone up are tenant improvement allowances and other concessions, which are much more negotiable. It continues to be a soft market, otherwise known as a tenant's market in Houston, and the timeline of transaction closings, lease transactions that is, in Houston, is somewhat stretched out because there's no pressure when there are so many choices and options to make a decision. Whereas conversely, in a landlord market, you're under huge pressure, a tenant is under huge pressure to make a quick decision for fear that that space that they like so much would be taken, would be leased to some other company.
1: Now, we've just come out of the pandemic, which has, you know, a lot of people working from home, and, you know, I think we're just now starting to see a lot of companies bringing people back in in huge numbers. What do you see the pandemic having an impact on office leasing going forward in particular? And by that, I mean, smaller footprints. Are you going to see people wanting less space? I mean, kind of talk to me about what the pandemic might mean.
2: Well, remember, the energy downturn started in the very, very last few months of 2014 which usually I say as 2015 and Houston being known as the energy capital of the world, which it still is, but to a somewhat lesser degree than it used to be, that was driving the economy and companies all, even as far back as 2015 were pre-COVID that is, Mm -hmm. were downsizing their footprint. In some cases, 20% to as much as 50%. Oh, wow. And it's all about doing more with less. For example, as an example, just recently, Enbridge, that had 620,000 square feet in the Galleria, moved to 293,000 square feet in the energy corridor. Very, very significant. And... Just as happened in the horrible downturn of the 80s, and in a moment I'll tell you what the difference between that downturn and this downturn amounted to and was caused by, there were a lot of startups. When companies were laying off people, which happened in big numbers in the 80s downturn, many of them were very competent people And they form startups. In one case, starting as a 3,000 square foot tenant, a client of ours now, that grew to 300,000 square feet. Wow. And I predict that there will be some of that happening now in the current downturn, which of course is in turn driven by the pandemic. And when you have a downturn the likes of which we have now there's a terrible cloud of uncertainty which makes it very very hard for companies to make long-term decisions so when the pandemic hit they they didn't know what was around the corner and they either deferred the decision they didn't know what that decision would be or they stayed where they were and if if the lease was expiring, renewed for a short term or relocated for a short term because the office space market definitely went down with COVID with less people coming to the office. An interesting part of this is that you often associate mass transit with the strength of a city, but the fact that Houston is an automobile-driven city, people could could go to work if they cared to in their car because mass transit with the social distancing problem was just not in the equation. Mm-hmm. And there are certain accounting changes, accounting industry changes, that also made short-term leases more Uh, desirable and necessary and a big problem in Houston and pretty much anywhere in the country less so of course where a city may be less of a tenant market class B and C buildings are less expensive by definition they're older and tenants today want larger floor plates the right column spacing the right mullion spacing and Less interior columns. Well, the older buildings tended to be, in, in many cases, were deficient on all of those fronts. And very importantly, it's the office experience that is so important to tenants and the return to the office versus working from home.
1: That's a good point. I mean, that's something that I wanted to talk to you about is what are tenants looking for these days in an office? I mean, we've heard about the flight to quality, but kind of what are they talking to you about and what are you hearing that they would like when you talk to them?
2: Well, first of all, they want a safe environment in terms of COVID, meaning clean air, air circulation. They want flexibility, which is possible to negotiate in a soft market. And the experience in the office is all about employee hiring and retention, because training new employees is extremely costly and time consuming. And the key components of that tenant experience would be some form of eating facilities, Mm -hmm. a fitness center, and a conference, some degree of conference facilities. But by definition, the small buildings don't have the money to do that. And so many of those B and C buildings are going to fall by the wayside and be taken back by lenders. Mm-hmm.
1: When you have kind of all of these different trends at play at once, where you have a high office vacancy rate in Houston, you have older buildings that may not meet the needs. And so they may end up being mothballed or taken back by the lenders. And at the same time, you have 50 to 75% of people working from home at least part of the time. Um, and there's no massive oil companies moving into town to take up huge 600,000 square feet of office. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of inventory that just isn't going to go away.
2: That is absolutely the case. Mm-hmm. Where the bulk of the new construction was out the energy corridor because we were the energy capital of the world. And those new buildings are very expensive. And new buildings are even more expensive now because of labor costs, shortage of materials. Mm -hmm. Houston ranked third in the nation in population growth in 2021. Houston is known as a can-do city, as a very business-friendly environment, as is generally the state of Texas. We as brokers are charged, to some degree, or for brokers to be successful, they have to manage their clients' expectations. And in a ever-changing environment, uncertainty, that's a very difficult task to manage client expectations.
1: When you say manage clients' expectations, what are you referring to in terms of what they can expect out of no, a space or
2: managing their expectations as what they can in terms of what they can expect as a lease? ...as the terms of a lease transaction. And by the way, I I refer to working in the office as what I call the five C's. Connectivity, communication, collaboration, collegiality, and finally, culture. Mm -hmm. And one of the problems in working from home is out of sight, out of mind, and mentoring has been extremely important throughout my career. And how can you do mentoring without it being face-to-face? Very difficult.
1: That's something that I've heard from a lot of uh, both real estate folks, but also business professionals as well, is, you know, you mentioned earlier, attracting and retaining employees and developing culture. And then, you know, the, the mentoring aspect of how you can do all of those things on all fronts when half the people are working from home. It seems like that's a much more difficult task. And Zoom, as we all have learned, is only effective to a point. So when you're talking to your clients, I mean, how are they discussing this? And what are they talking about in terms of keeping their employees connected via the office?
2: Well, some of them are requiring a certain amount of days at the office. Let's say 80% of the employees are coming to the office but they're not coming every day and so at any given time the office may be half full and of course part of those 5 Cs is the notion of being promoted and if you if it's important to be seen by the top executives in order for them to have some sense about what you are as an employee and your worth to the company, and then the merits of being promoted. And there's a tremendous pent-up buyer demand. There's billions of dollars out there looking for commercial real estate investments. And the lack of zoning has and continues to be some degree of a problem in Houston because there's no barrier to entry. You can put up a building... Of any size in most any location, subject, of course, to deed restrictions. Mm -hmm.
1: That's interesting that, you know, we hear so much about how the lack of zoning can be a benefit in terms of, you know, making it easy to get in. But at the same time, as you said, there's no barrier to entry. That's an interesting perspective.
2: Yes. Now, the developer community would say that they could not have succeeded as they did had there been zoning. They now call it the P word, planning. Sure. So the return to work of 50 to 65% is somewhat the new normal of hybrid work. But we will never, I believe, see 100% back in the office again soon, if ever.
0: Lou Cushman joining us. In our next segment, he shares what it was like to come full circle in his career when Texas Business Minds continues. At Texas Mutual Insurance Company, we celebrate the workers who keep your business growing strong. They're a vital part of our community, and we're proud to be on the job with 1.5 million of them every day. More at texasmutual.com slash on the job. Continuing our conversation with HBJ Landmark Lifetime Achievement Award winner, Lou Cushman. You know, you spent
1: your years at uh, Cushman and Wakefield, and then you and your brother broke off to start Cushman Realty, and then being acquired again. What was that thought process like in going back to the mothership, as it were?
2: Well, Cushman Wakefield was international, Mm -hmm. and part of the driver for Cushman Realty in blessing that merger with Cushman and Wakefield was the need for our clients for us to be international in scope, and Cushman and Wakefield was very international. Now, I will say this: this was in June of 2001. Had 9/11 occurred before that, the merger might not have taken place.
1: And why is that? How did 9-11 change the,
2: the perspective? Oh, it was such a world-shattering geopolitical event mm-hmm. that who could you trust? Sure. And they were from the Middle East. And the Middle East, in, in general, was a huge part of the energy equation.
1: So with so much of the real estate business in flux right now, kind of how are you consulting with your clients and kind of helping ease their fears.
2: Well, our role is to define them the space that's of the right size, configuration, location, and economics that fit what their needs are. Mm -hmm. And when we, as we understand what those needs are, help them to find space we would strongly recommend particular instances. First of all, the landlord is part of that equation. There are good buildings and there are bad buildings. There's good management and there's not so good management. And landlords, in some cases, that are difficult to deal with, including on the terms of the lease document. And we have experienced that. And we share those experiences within this office. So we know who perhaps we might not want to deal with and so recommend to our clients. Because there are some landlords that just won't give on certain language in a lease. Language that may be very critical to the flexibility of that lease, such as subleasing rights. And subleasing has been a big thing in Houston Right now, that is much of that has been absorbed in part because the (laughs) sublease terms have expired. Sure. And there's a point when the sublease term is so short that it's almost not leasable. So we're obliged to assist the client when they want to dispose of space as well. So we advise them on that, such as the appropriate rental rate. And concessions, although it's really on a sublease, just the rental rate. Some subleasing has been done at very, very low gross rental rates, whereas the rate that is most associated is the so-called net rate, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: the net rate being exclusive of the operating expenses. But a gross rate includes the operating expenses, and there are instances where the Gross rate is so low, invariably, subleases entail taking a loss. But it's all about minimizing the losses.
1: So what am I not asking about that I should be at this point?
2: Well, we've talked about how the brokerage industry has changed. Mm -hmm. And part of that change in the brokerage industry is the huge amount of younger brokers coming into the business. In the 80s, there were tremendous amounts of people just leaving the business. I predict what is already happening to a degree that that's going to happen the longer this particular downturn that Houston in particular is experiencing, that we will likewise have people leaving the industry. My favorite one Back in the 80s was a guy that retired to Galveston to open and run a bait shop, (laughs) which I think is just... It's amazing. Our business is extremely stressful. Sure. And I I cannot emphasize that enough. Like coming up the elevator every day unemployed, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's extremely stressful. You have a transaction that you put months, and in my cases. Years and years into transaction, only to have it never happen. Unlike lawyers that are that charge by the hour, we only get a commission when the transaction closes. And too often people that think, oh, brokers are making these huge commissions, but they fail to take into consideration all the deals that you worked on that did not close. Sure. The sectors that are so strong right now, of course... Above all, industrial, mm-hmm. but medical office buildings, bioscience, storage units, multifamily, and healthcare. And at the bottom of the equation in Houston is office. Sure. Because that's where hybrid comes into play, namely, working outside the office.
1: That's two really interesting points. I mean, you guys do not charge by the hour which can make, I'm sure, be very stressful, very frustrating when something you've worked on for any length of time falls apart. But it sounds like a lot of your advice is come into the office, learn from the senior folks, and that's how you're going to move ahead in your career. That's how you're going to be able to make better deals. And it seems like that's kind of the...
2: Absolutely. Mentoring has been a passion of mine virtually my entire career. And hence, an extreme distaste for people that didn't work hard that didn't embrace mentoring and to some extent didn't care about the details of the of the document and the deal they just wanted to close the deal as fast as they could and a good broker in concentrating on the details obviously slows the process down a little bit whereas again some brokers sadly too many brokers are just interested in closing the deal. And in some cases, bad-mouthing other brokers, which doesn't exactly endear them and their firm to the brokerage community. And to some extent, even the landlords. Mm -hmm. Because the landlords know almost better than anybody who the good brokers are Mm -hmm. because they've dealt with them. They've seen good brokerage. They've seen bad brokerage and they sure as heck know the difference. And there's some brokers who they don't wanna deal with because they, they don't trust them. They know that the broker doesn't know what they're doing and may be giving bad advice to tenants and not understanding the good things about their particular building.
0: Thanks to Lou Cushman for joining us. And thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.